Welcome to episode 147. This is all about second guessing ourselves in the decision hangover. If you've ever been in the situation where you made a decision or you chose to do something or not do something and then you've been ruminating whether or not that was the right decision, uh, you might feel some regrets or doubts, then this episode is for you. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. I'm glad that you're here. We're going to talk about decision hangovers and second guessing ourselves. And this came up because uh, I was having a conversation with a client about their situation where they joined a company a few months ago and are now faced with a situation that the boss that they wanted to work for and a big reason of why they joined this company or this specific, accepted this specific job uh, offer was because of that boss. And they thought they were having an amazing manager and they really wanted to learn from the manager as a mentor, as a guide, as a coach. And now that mentor has resigned two months later. And so my client was really questioning whether or not they made the right decision, if any of this was naive to believe that this manager would always be there. Uh, they felt a little bit misled and felt like the manager could have said something in the interview process. And so there's some resentment um, that was happening too. But mostly they were doubting their own ability to make a decision, felt like they weren't considering these risks in the process and that there was something to learn, that that was a learning opportunity as a, hey, I'm gonna bookmark this for future decisions, especially when I take a job, not to make it based on a person, because as you know, things can change uh, in a time where we see layoffs left and right and where people just switch jobs or do other things or leave the corporate world altogether. Relying on one person may be risky, but that's not what we're gonna talk about. In fact, I'm not even saying that that shouldn't have played into the decision-making process at all, because I think that was important for my client at that time. But now, what do we do with that second guessing? What do we do when we worry about decisions that we've made in the past? And now the thing that I just talked about, this particular example that inspired this episode is is kind of a big deal, right? So this really is about the whole decision around the job, but all of us do this all the time with very small things. It could be about whether or not to give feedback. It could be about whether or not to speak up in a meeting. We may say something or withhold something and then walk out of the meeting thinking like, oh my gosh, I should have done that or should not have done that. We may enter a feedback conversation with a direct report and think, I'm going to be really clear. I have it all laid out. This is what I'm going to say. And then as we see their reaction to the initial couple of sentences, we may start to sugarcoat the feedback or we decide in the moment to not be as transparent, but to only show or share half of the story. Now, sometimes that could be the right decision because we're being empathic and compassionate in the moment. We're reading the room. We're adapting to the situation, but sometimes that comes out of fear, out of worry of making someone else 
uncomfortable and therefore be uncomfortable ourselves and so the fear takes over and we alter our previously made decisions and it shows up in big ways and sometimes we're doubtful going into the situation where we may say I'm not sure how to say it or do it or whether or not I should I'm gonna figure it out as I go and decide in the moment and sometimes we're very convinced going into a situation but then while we're present I don't know where we decide to change course and do something different than what we've decided to do. Sometimes actually, and I don't know if you have this too, but sometimes I play with this in the moment. I remember being in Italy last summer and I would get an ice cream and I would look all the different flavors and I would decide while I was in line or waiting, I would decide I'm going to go for the espresso ice cream. And I would just stand there and wait and think, yep, it's going to be espresso. Maybe my kids ask me, what are you going to get? And I'm going to say, I want to get espresso. And then in the moment, as I'm being asked, sort of totally out of nowhere, I change my mind and I'm thinking, you know what? Nope, let's do cookie dough. And I change my mind and my kids would look at me and be like, wait, you said you're going to do espresso? I'm like, yep, but you know what? As I was talking, as I was about to say it, (laughs) I decided to change my mind, either because I just like the fact that I'm surprising myself and I want to try something out of the ordinary or because I really felt like, you know what? Actually, cookie dough sounds way better. And so that ice cream example shows up at work too. We do this in moments when we make decisions about whether to approve something, how we make decisions on what to pursue, tasks we delegate, uh, even in the hiring process, right? Sometimes we hire someone, we may have doubts. It's a big risk. It's a big deal. Should we do it? Should we not do it? Anyways, all that said, including ice cream examples, I think you get the point. Making a decision can be hard and most of us have the tendency to second guess ourselves along the way or after the fact and so the decision hangover actually that term is all about how we feel and what we think after we make a decision so i want to share with you in this episode three specific tips to help you overcome or tune out that voice of self-doubt and get out of the decision hangover altogether the first one is to get clear on what you base your decisions on what values or principles or tactically speaking even what decision filters do you apply when you make a decision do you know what you value more what you value most and if you're in a situation like should I take on that role to work with this manager despite the risk that this manager may leave is it because you value security and stability Or is it because you value growth and exposure and opportunity or even adventures or because you like challenges? What are the values that matter to you most? So freedom, for example, or growth, those are values. Then the second thought is what are the principles or values in actions? So what are the principles that you are guided by? This is a huge part of the work that I do with my clients inside the Leadership Accelerator and the new program that we're launching here in February called the Leadership Advisory Program for mid-level managers is to clarify their leadership philosophy and get really clear and grounded in the principles that they apply. What are those principles for you? Making decisions and doubting yourself after the fact often happens because we're not sure what we based our decisions on. One thing that I think is really interesting and beneficial about religious beliefs is that they have these strong faith-based values and principles that the religious communities live by. 
And therefore, for people of this faith, whether it is how to treat others, what to eat, how to behave, right? All these things may be grounded in the principles and the values of that particular religion. They don't have to think about it. It's deeply rooted within them and they just execute and make decisions based on those values. So they make make a decision, then go back. Well, I did that because of this particular, you know, religious value or this religious belief that we hold. And therefore, they can feel grounded and good about the decision that they made. They may not even entertain things that aren't in alignment. Whereas people without a philosophy or without that belief system have way more choice, right? Because they don't, they aren't grounded, they aren't clear of what those are. But with that choice comes then that opportunity for decision hangover to kick in. Now, personally, and I've shared this here uh, on the podcast before, I believe in uh, the principles and the values of stoicism. And so for me, when I think about big decisions, I do find myself reflecting on the stoic virtues, on the stoic values and principles. And I think of how do I make a decision here that's in alignment with my values. So I have my personal values and principles, and then stoicism is an additional layer of aspirational values and principles that I want to live by and base my decisions on. So if you're not sure what those values and principles are, and you find yourself ruminating over decisions or doubting your decisions, then I'm not surprised because that makes it just so much harder. The other term that I mentioned here a moment ago was decision filters. Decision filters are especially relevant when you make decisions as a team or for your team. You could have strategic decision filters to look at what strategies are we pursuing? What are the criteria that we use when we assess or evaluate ideas or new opportunities? This may be, you know, what's the impact on our customers? It could be how long is this going to take us to execute? It could be about the hard costs, but it could also be about is this in alignment with our core values, the company's core values? And this is then a yes or no, or a strong or weak alignment. These are decision filters that you identify together with your team so that when you go and run through ideas or initiatives, you would apply those as well. Now that is very specific to the workplace. You could have those decision filters for career related decisions or personal decisions for that matter as well. And again, it helps you think through decisions more clearly, more deeply so that you're less emotionally driven and are able to be a little bit more objective. Now we're never able to get emotions out of the decision making process because that's how we're wired, but we're able to slow it down to apply logic and rationale in our decision making process. And when we do so, and then later doubt ourselves, we have something to ground ourselves in. That's what this is about. And as I wrap this tip up here, one thing that I always use and think about is based on my value of growth. So my core values are freedom, growth, and love. So when I make decisions, I always ask myself, will this make me grow? Even when it's scary, even when it's uncomfortable, if it will make me grow, I will likely say yes. And I know that there's fear and I feel scary and I feel it in my body, but then I know I'm aligned with my value of growth, regardless of the outcome. I know I will get stronger, more resilient or better through the process. And that's in alignment with my values, no matter the outcome, right? This is independent of what's actually going to come of it. 
As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system, and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at ramonashaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to ramonashaw.com slash one one to get started right now. The second tip that I have is to separate what is about your feelings and your alignment and what is about other people's feelings. Sometimes we start to second guess ourselves because we see other people's reactions. So you may have a lot of conviction going into a situation and then as you're presenting an idea in a meeting, for example, you start to notice that people are not fully engaged. No one's asking questions. No one's really responding. And you start to wonder, was I so off? Why is no one getting that? I feel so excited about it. I love this idea, but no one else seems to buy into it. And then you might start to wonder whether you're the problem here and you're the one who's kind of off base. In these situations, go back to grounding yourself and separating your own experience from that of the other people in the room or the other people that you're interacting or engaging with or that are impacted by it. They own their own feelings and responses. Your job is not to make them comfortable. You can't. You'd fail at that. Your job is to do the best that you can in terms of thinking through a decision, soliciting feedback ahead of time, and then presenting whatever you've decided in an effective way, being compassionate in the moment, but not because you're trying to control their reaction to it. So if you start to second guess yourself because you worry about other people, take a break. Unless you treated them disrespectfully or were unkind in the process, assuming that wasn't the case, you don't need to control their feelings. You can't. And let them have the space to have their own opinions. That's totally okay. You can still have conviction for your ideas, even though if you realize it didn't land. Then you just go back and say, like, it's confusing. Like, I'm so convicted, convinced of this, but you seem to not like it. Tell me about it. I want to understand so that I can communicate my ideas better or I can see where we're not aligned. But it has nothing to do about you doubting yourself. It's about, oh, I'm missing information. Therefore, I'm going to go out and get that information with that same level of conviction. So that's number two. Separate what is yours, your reactions, your emotions about this, your level of comfort versus others. Let other people have their own emotional experiences. You don't need to control that. The third tip that I want to share is to drop the idea of win-lose decisions or choices and embrace the idea of 
as is decisions. And what I mean by that is kind of in alignment with this quote here from Peter Crone. He said, what happened happened and couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. I'm going to read that again. What happened happened and couldn't have happened any other way because it didn't. That is the idea of an as-is decision. It's to completely trust that either decision, whether to speak up or not to speak up, whether to take a job or not to take a job, whether to hire this person or not hire this person, and that you trust that either of these decisions are right and trust yourself that you can navigate the outcome of these decisions. If you wanted to speak up but you didn't, that you're still going to find the opportunity to say what you wanted to say, to contribute. That if you did speak up and it didn't land well and you start doubting yourself and think I shouldn't have spoken up, that you're able to course correct or apologize or go back and communicate in a different way what you wanted to say or to ask about the misalignment like we talked earlier and inquire and find out what's the information gap. It's about trusting that either of these decisions is right and that you can navigate whatever happens in the wake of these decisions Either way, that is embracing the idea of as is decisions, not as one was a lose decision, one was a win decision. So I'm going to bring this back to this initial example that I shared at the very beginning of my client who was in this situation where they started to doubt themselves and whether or not they should have taken the job. If we look at this decision as an as is decision, it could have been right for them not to take the job but it's also right for them to take the job. And they can trust themselves that they took the job that was as right as it would have been not to take the job. So we're not even thinking about that because it happened. And it had to happen because it happened. And so my client has to trust themselves to be able to figure out what to do now. It's not about ruminating about the past decisions that were made or what people communicated back then. It was fine as it is and it was the right decision. Now, let's trust that they can figure it out. They have to learn to trust themselves that they can figure this out and that this decision was the right decision to take. So that was tip number three. I'm going to do a quick recap. Tip number one was all about grounding yourself in values and principles and maybe even decision filters and getting clear on those. If you aren't clear on what your leadership philosophy is and what principles and values you live by or lead by, I highly, highly recommend you do that work. The second tip was about focusing on your own experience and your own comfort or discomfort not to get wrapped up in other people's experiences of it. And then the third one was to trust yourself, trust the decisions that were right either way. And this is the idea of embracing the as-is decisions. When you do these three things, you will be able to mitigate any decision hangover and hopefully also erode or tune out all the second guessing that might happen after big and small decisions, after big and small decisions and choices that you make throughout the days, weeks, and months. And before I wrap up this episode, I want to emphasize one more thing. Any thought that you have is just a thought. They're like clouds on the sky that just move from one side to the other. You don't have to look at them all. You don't have to see them as truth. You don't have to pay attention to them. In fact, when you learn to manage your mind, you learn how to not pay attention to every single cloud. You know they're there, but you don't have to stare at them and obsess about them. You speak 
back and you introduce new clouds, great clouds, beautiful clouds that you want to watch more so than you listen and stare at the clouds that are already there. Uh, Negative thinking, second guessing, self-doubt, it's part of the package. But when we obsess about it, that's when it becomes a problem. And when we miss the power of managing our minds by introducing new thoughts and guiding our thinking by being really intentional about how we describe a certain situation, the attitudes we take on and how we want to look at certain things, we have not intentional this, then we're completely falling victim to our own brain versus being in charge of it, supervising ourselves and managing our brain. Uh, I often say you got to lead your mind before you lead your people. And this whole episode was one of those aspects where noticing the self-doubt, the decision, a hangover popping up, don't just let that take over. Manage your mind. You have a lot more influence in your own thinking than you might think. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode on second guessing and decision hangover. And I'll be back next week with another episode on the Manager Track podcast. Ciao, ciao. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at ramonashaw.com slash masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.